0: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com
2: on headstrong we are very pleased and proud to be partnered with the cbd brand the good level Now, I've been taking CBD for about 18 months to maintain my mental well-being, but it's been very difficult to find a brand that I can trust because there's so many faceless foreign brands out there and you're not sure what you're buying or how it's sourced. Luckily, I found two guys, Joe and Johnny, who have created this wonderful brand called The Good Level. What's so great about these guys is that they support British farming. Many brands import their CBD from America, but the good levels say they don't rely on the methods by farmers that they've never met, nor the farms that they've never seen. They have a really close relationship with their farmers who are in Somerset, meaning they know how their product is produced from start to finish. They're the first CBD company i found who put a face on the brand, and they're transparent with the whole process of how they create their products. And they've even got their own podcast where they look at the latest research on CBD. To check them out, go to their Instagram at the.good.level and drop them a message if you want to find out more about CBD. And for 15% off their products, use Headstrong15 on their website for checkout. Hello and welcome to another episode of Headstrong. My name is Louis Strong and I host this podcast. Headstrong, this podcast, is where I sit down with a number of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their vulnerabilities as well as their lives and their careers to inspire you, the listener, to understand what it means to be headstrong. And to me, that means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth this is my sixth series of the podcast and i've had some incredible guests to date and the chap that is on today's episode i have been trying to get on since the start of the podcast over two years ago now and that is asa butterfield i starred in slaughterhouse rules with asa back in 2018 And we've stayed in touch and seen each other multiple times since. But I've always been intrigued about his own story and narrative into the acting world. Of course, he started acting young. And I had many questions about his young career. And how it started, and in particular, the boy in the striped pyjamas. We also talked about his hobbies and what the word headstrong means to him. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Asa, thank you for joining me on Headstrong. Oh, mate, it's such a pleasure, honestly. I'm so pleased that we've managed to sort this out, man. It's very, very kind of you to do it. We've been
1: years, years in the talking. Years in the making, and here we are. Our lunch, um, wherever we were, I think it was at the Breakfast Club. I mean, this is, I don't know how many years ago this was now, when we first chat about doing this. yeah, And, you know, all sorts happened, but eventually... Eventually, we came around, well, I came around. You're a
2: busy man, man. That's, I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about it. Trust me. Um, I kick off. How have you been? May I'm very well, thank you. And do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the question right back at you, because I'm starting every episode this series in the same way, in the same manner, um, because one of my guests started this initiative in lockdown called Check In With You. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to check in with you. How are you doing oh, today? Mate. But just generally in the bigger picture, how are you feeling? What's going on?
1: How am I feeling? I mean, the, the, the answer everyone just says, oh, I'm feeling good. Um, and, I, and honestly, I, I, am, I am feeling good in general. Um, I've got a little bit, I'm, I've not been up to much the last couple of weeks. So I've enjoyed um, kind of a bit of travel. I was in Utrecht uh, last week. Uh, working with this, uh, this gaming organization. And that was the first time I'd left the UK and since uh, since pre-COVID. And it was so nice just to be in a different space and kind of have that, just have a bit of a break um, from sort of life. Not that, not, that, not that my life's particularly tough at the moment. Um, summer's coming around. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Louis. You know, it's, it's important to take that time out, give yourself time, you know, because I'm sure
2: that there's a lot of expectation on your shoulders. So it's nice to have a, a little bit of respite and go do things that you want to do. Not that you don't want to do it, <laughs> your work, whatever, but, you no, know, go right. and fulfill your like,
1: passions as well. And sort of like, just like ignore your emails for a few days and mm. kind of, um, and exactly do something that you enjoy doing and can just. Like focus on and uh, and have fun it's, uh, it's the rest
2: so I'm going to put you on the spot here because there was one bit that I didn't send you before this podcast because I know that over the past couple of years oh boy. of getting this locked in you were slightly apprehensive about coming on and understandably so because <laughs> the, the general topics of, of what these conversations can be can be very deep and I don't necessarily want that from friend to friend. I just wanted to talk to you about a number of things but I wanted to ease our way in and I, I wrote some quick fire questions because Go I on, thought that would be a fun way to just break it in and actually see what AB likes. Are you up for it? <laughs> I've got about cool. ten I'm questions. Up, I'm up for it. I'm so up for it. Okay, they're like short answers. Go on, how quick fire are we talking? I mean, I want the right. first thing that comes to your head. I mean, unless it's okay. really sick.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh God. You know, if I've got a really long pause, then I'm then I'm having to sort of backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll start easy. Marmite, love or hate? Ah, uh, no, not for me. Favorite day of the week? Oh, ah. Uh... Maybe Saturday. Love it.
2: Bit of Sam Fender. Yeah. Saturday brunch. (laughs) Of course. Go-to
1: ice cream flavour. Banoffee. Oh, great shout. I'm with you. Okay, this is a good one. They they rarely rarely have it, but if they do, can't go wrong. I'm all in. This is a good one. If you could
2: bring someone back from the dead for 24 hours to chill with only you and you can ask them anything... Who would you bring back and why?
1: <sighs> I don't know. That's tough. It is tough. I don't know. That is, not... that is really tough. I think I'm gonna have to, I'd have to take too long to answer that question. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll come back to it. Well, we'll come
2: back to it. Okay, what about then, if you could travel back in time to any time period, what would you choose?
1: I mean, I'd kind of just love to see like dinosaurs. Yes, I. I, I you know, know what I call like, that? How cool? How cool would that be? Like, yeah, it'd be cool to see sort of like the Battle of Hastings or something. But <laughs> dinosaurs? Like okay. you're never gonna see that. But also, I'm never gonna
2: <laughs> believe you if you come back. That's true. Okay, it's true. Celebrity
1: crush growing up celebrity crush growing up who was my celebrity crush growing up did you have a poster on the wall I don't even know I never had a poster on the wall my friend had a poster on the wall Megan Fox after watching the first Transformers I think um, definitely added a couple years under my belt (laughs) (laughs) all right I don't know if you watched it but favorite Harry Potter character hmm I have watched them. I'm not I was never a, a potter. What are they called? The potter, potter heads, potter rights. Yeah, I don't know actually. I'm sure there's like a collective noun for the potter fans. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh a favorite character. Oh, um, uh, possibly Snape. Do you know what? Great shout. I think it's gotta be Snape.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. This yeah. will this will this will be very hard for you because you're a music man favorite song in the world right now
1: that is hard favorite song at the moment right favorite song I'm playing a song I'm playing a lot of right now is I mean there's a few Hmm. this is tough Louis I know, I apologise. I don't think these questions would be this hard. You said quick fire and I'm here, I'm like, biting <laughs> my nails, trying to think of a song. <laughs> um, Alright, I'll, I'll round it up for you. Favourite artist at the moment? <laughs> Favourite artist? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Wolfpack. Okay. They're an uh, American group and uh, sort of super funky and their bassist is insane because I've been tr- learning bass the last couple of years. You're a big bass man now. He, he's just on another level. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I enjoy it. Final little one, then. <laughs> you. This is easy.
2: What superpower would you have if you could have any in the world? Maybe. Maybe.
1: Uh, I like the deep time. thought that it's so
2: difficult. Like,
1: like, imagine if you could control, like, kinetic energy. Oh, It's kind of a cheap it? answer because kinetic energy is like... Anything that moves. Everything's kind of kinetic energy. Anything that moves, exactly. So you can kind of do anything with that. You could I like maybe, it. You could fly, you could... I don't know. Oh, I feel yeah. like that's a little loophole in the question. I like it's it. It's a slight loophole. You oh. could tell I've thought about this
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's definitely been like a a conversation that's happened at like 1 a.m before you're like oh yeah (laughs) i love it well look man do you remember when we first met we met back on back on the set of slaughterhouse rules which also seems an eternity ago in fact no we met in the rehearsals beforehand which was we were lucky enough to rehearse i mean we had that little
1: space in like it was like i can't remember the name of that area but it was all quite it was all quite modern yeah and um and I was going out to get these like crazy sandwiches um i literally remember yeah. you coming back with like the biggest thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was that place outside literally outside yeah. and i was like oh man, you could smell it we could smell it as, as we were rehearsing I was like, what is that is it weird to reflect yeah, yeah. on jobs
2: then because it's like oh, this mate. it's so weird to kind of like you do one and you're kind of immersed in the world of a job that you're just living in and then you stop but you've become like mates Mm. almost family to a degree for kind of months on end
1: and then you're on to something else do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah it is it's it's such a weird i totally know what you mean because it's so sort of consuming and intense and bonding for the time you're there and then when it ends it's not like you sort of then go back and shoot a few days. It's just, there's like a sort of cold ending to it. And then you might not see these people for, I don't know. uh, It varies, but it's, it's funny looking back on them because there's, there's such vivid sort of moments of in time. And you can kind of, I can track them back and like which year I did, which one. And it was like, Mm. and they all kind of have their place with the people I've met. Um, It is. Yeah. It's, it's funny looking back on it.
2: If we specifically look at Slaughterhouse Rules, though, what a what a hell of a cast that was! And do you know I what? Know. That was my first job as well. And yeah, I, I mean, bloody lucky! I mean, I was very lucky
1: to have such to a, have, yeah kind of, to have having a group of people sort of your own age and kind of uh, and, and not even just your own age, but who are fun and are down to kind of have a laugh and um, and and form a kind of friendship um with the team is is the best it's the best feeling and we go we did get super lucky on that job oh that was really really good fun i remember
2: that during those rehearsals i mean i told you before but um like finn finn cole we went downstairs like after the first thing and obviously i was just like i was kind of bricking it when i was turning up i was like i've never done this before what do i expect what kind of rehearsals are these going to be and finn <laughs> just literally put his arm around me being like mate i can tell you're nervous if you got any questions, fire away, because I know what it's like. And that reassured me straight Uh away. And you were exactly the same as well. You're just like, at the end of the day, it's just some down-to-earth people there to do their jobs. And you're also there to have fun at the same time. That's what was really, like, I don't know, comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nice. Yeah, Finn's such a sweetheart.
1: I love that point. Oh, absolutely. Do you get nervous before you start a new job? I do. Um... And I'm pretty good at like sort of controlling my nerves and I don't get that nervous. Um, and and, I'm, and, and I, I, when it really, is literally just the night, it's like the night before the first, my first day on set, I always get super nervous. And I, I usually, I often hardly sleep um, just because I, I don't really know why. Because I've been on, I've been on, I've worked on so many sets at this point, but there's something about it that is, I don't know whether it's kind of, I think I potentially expect a lot of myself. So I I kind of really want to do a good job, especially when it's like a new set, new people you've never worked with before. Um, so I do, I, yeah, I do get, I do get nervous. But then very quickly, I think once you just realize, okay, we're all here for the same reason and and you just kind of fall into a rhythm and then that totally dissipates. Um, yeah. and then I, And then I very rarely get nervous. I feel pretty comfortable on set and in front of camera no of course i mean
2: you've done it enough now to kind of know what to expect and what's coming i suppose but that like night before do you do anything to like prepare yourself obviously you do your your prep for the the show whatever you're doing but is there anything you do like to prepare Mm -hmm. for that because you say that you pile pressure on yourself and that's fair enough is it the expectation that you put on yourself then
1: or what you think others expect of you i think it's I think it's possibly more what others expect of me. Um, I think I don't know. It, it varies from job to job, mm. um, but I don't know if I have a particular thing I do. I mean, I try and just kind of. It's nice if you can meet the people beforehand, whether it's the director or the other cast. Like often you ha- often you have met them before the first day of shooting. Like that would be. I'd be wild if you'd never met anyone in <laughs> the just <first> in. <time laughs> yeah, the director was stepping onto set, um, so it's kind of yeah, it's it's doing as much of that beforehand, kind of knowing what you're coming into, um, is is important. It's important for me at least. No, uh, definitely. So it's nice I think... when you when you have something like slaughterhouse and we had that time to rehearse and meet everyone and kind of form those bonds. So when we came to actually being on set, we kind of were comfortable enough around each other that we could just like play the scene and and feel comfortable saying all right let's do it again or this can like be this can be better or whatever it is and not feeling that nervousness of what can I say, what should I say? Am I gonna offend someone?
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting point. And do you know what though? I because I didn't know what to expect though going on to that first day of the actual shoot. And I remember we were shooting like what was that? What what, what we were we shooting?
1: It? What was the first I
2: know day? exactly the scene because I will never forget it. Because it was literally my first ever day on a set. And it was We were in the bunker. Simon was like covered in gunk. Um, Hargreaves was on the thing with his rifle looking out the window. And I was like in floods of tears lying on Hermione. And we were trying to find a way out. And I was just like, God, this is so far through the film. I'm like, oh, oh, God, (laughs) it's crazy for me to kind of think that that's how you do it. And then, but thereafter, as you say, just get thrown in at the deep end and then you're all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: interesting. What was your favourite scene in that?
1: In Slaughterhouse. Yeah. To film though, not to watch. What did you enjoy? <laughs> I really enjoyed it was I really enjoyed the scene with Simon and Tom where he comes in and he's and then Hargrews shoots him with the gun. I think and I think that was that's like one of the, that's clearly close to where you were talking about. That was that I thought that was a laughter shoot. Oh um, yeah. All of the stuff kind of with uh, like in the in, in kind of dorm with all the people and then the scene where we're getting all our weapons out together uh, <laughs> weapons t- check let's, let's tool up Yeah, tooling up yeah tool
0: up
2: <laughs> I was so gutted not to be in that I was too busy being uh, oh we're gonna have to bleep this I was too busy being <laughs> fisted
1: by a minotaur <laughs> oh fuck I remember that as well oh, and they'd rented God. out this huge field with like a lake and a, a marquee and all of these people yeah wow What hell of an experience!
2: And I will never, ever forgive you for taking that photo of me in my tunic with some trousers down my ankles, (laughs) with the sound man accessing me from behind, (laughs) reaching up, reaching up. Uh, And I remember when you posted that, and you just went, "I'm so sorry already." (laughs) (laughs) too good but let's rewind time because we can talk about i can talk about jobs with you forever and like it's very easy to talk about all your work but ultimately i want to know like from a personal perspective and this whole podcast is i suppose just like me asking questions that we've not had the chance to talk about so it's just nice to have that kind of perspective so i'm interested to know with you from your very early days how you got into Acting itself. What was your inspiration? Where did it come from? Did it stem from family, your own interests? I'm, I'm, I'm curious.
1: It's honestly, Lou. I, I get asked this question a lot, and I don't really know where it really came from. Because when I started, when I started acting, I was going to this drama class, this sort of after school club. Um, and the reason I went there wasn't sort of to become an actor. I only went there because my brother did, and. My mum thought it would be a good way to sort of me to be confident and like meet new people. Um, and I agree. I think it's a great thing for kids to be able to kind of explore the creative creativity in any way. Um, and that was why I did it. I never kind of went there thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an actor. Um, this is what I want to do when I grow up. So when I had my first audition, um, well, I must have been about seven or eight years old. Um, I didn't really know even know what an audition was. I was just kind of like, sure kind of that could be fun. Um and I did a small film when I was about eight. Did a couple of things before I did landed the boy in the striped pajamas, which was like my first major role, I suppose. Um and we we're filming filmed that I was 10 and we filmed that Budapest for three months. And I remember even at that point, one of the things I was most excited about was just not being at school for three months. <laughs> That was like I was I was like oh so I get to I get to not be at school for three months. Mum was like yeah she's like but you have a tutor so you have to like you're still gonna have to do work. And I was like Yeah, yeah but I'm not gonna be at school <laughs> she was like yes and and that and um and so yeah and and, and I had a and I had a great time making uh, making that film. It was hard at points. I remember mean, I remember I remember it being difficult. For sure. Um, so it's we... quite a... go on
2: no before we before we talk about the boy in the striped pajamas as the film i'm curious to talk about that educational side of things and then i'll also talk to you about the audition process for it but in terms of the educational side of things you talked about the tutor there and obviously the the joy and elation of not going to school but then obviously they have to fulfill educational requirements on a set right so -hmm. what was that kind of like structure like in a day (sighs) Casting your mind back on him. yeah,
1: yeah, literally, like so. You roughly, and it's all varied because sometimes you had days where you had to film more, but there's certain restrictions when you're a child, like the amount of hours you could spend on set, the amount of hours you have to be in school, etc. I think we had to do roughly three hours of tutoring a day, but some days it might be less. But then you always had to kind of make up for it in the week whenever it was. And I remember, I remember from the boy in the striped pajamas that there was this trailer. I had my trailer where i'd have like I'd get trained and i'd have my lunch and all of that, and then there was another trailer which i was where I'd do my school um and my tutor Rachel um, would i guess just get the work from school- from my school they'd send it to her, and she'd kind of find a way to kind of teach it to me um and that was about it i I remember it I sort of remember it being relatively fun. I feel like we did quite a lot of creative things i remember like writing stories and stuff but i guess school when you're that age when you're like 10 years old it's not really hard no <laughs> like yes, when no. you look back on it it's like it's pretty it's the homework you gets like it's come on <laughs> but yeah no that that was my experience so did rachel tutor just you or did you have like others in the cast no there uh it was, it was she would tutor all of us Okay. There were three there were three of us who were kids. Yeah. Job. And then other th- I've done other jobs where there be more kids and they'd have more tutors. Um, yeah.
2: That's really interesting. It's like it's just like something that you just don't realize you have to account for when you're like casting a child on a set because mm. you just take it you don't you just see the, the motion picture, right? And you don't see the behind the scenes of it all.
1: Yeah. And it's it's strange because you'll be on set and you'll be doing a scene or whatever an hour and then you come we, off and then you go and sit down and then you're and then you're doing like a math test for an hour and then you go back on set really and that's you, mad. and it's yeah it's it's really it's it's a funny sort of juggle um of things mm. which you do get used to no, I, yeah, exactly. I got quite used to it yeah, yeah exactly it's not it's not the
2: norm but to you i suppose it was just like that's what you that's just what you do it's just it comes with the gig right
1: yeah exactly so how did the how did the audition exactly. process go and for I, that then for Boy the Strike pajamas, I think there was quite a lot of auditions. I seem to remember there being about at least like six or seven recalls and chemistry reads. It's um, going from the very first sort of workshop. It might even have been a workshop, the first one. Um, and and it's quite a while before they decided on the actors uh i think <laughs> which is crazy to think about
2: yeah absolutely what was your knowledge,
1: knowledge. Of, of
2: kind of before you took the job or before the job was offered to you about what the story was because obviously That's it's a book mm-hmm. yeah because it is a book and actually do you know what i'm teaching it in september as my really? um as my english book to a class which is hilarious
1: oh man um but yeah no, there are a few schools. When I was growing up, they did it. Thankfully, my school sort of saw that there might be some issue there if I had to study the film I was in. So we, didn't, we never studied that, but a lot of people did. Um, in terms of what I knew going into the film, I, I knew, I knew bits. I, um, I knew about the Second World War and, and some of the things that happened, but I wasn't, I mean, at only really that age, there's sort of some things you don't need to learn yet. And so I was definitely mm-hmm. uh, naive to the details um, and I think deliberately so. I think um, at least they wanted they wanted to keep that innocence and whatever for obvious reasons. Yeah, um, but I, did, I had read I did read the book. Um, I read the book with my mum before we started the shoot. Um, and I mean, it's it's just it's pretty harrowing. <laughs> it's pretty harrowing yeah, stuff. Um, yeah. No, it definitely was. Physical and
2: mental well-being are so important and come hand in hand. I'm incredibly proud to be sponsored by the CBD brand, The Good Level, who have well-being at the very forefront of what they do as a company and a brand. They offer CBD oils, balms and jellies, all of which are full spectrum and extracted by a cold press. Their oils are all made with extra virgin olive oil from Kalamata, and that makes them so much tastier than any other that I've tried before. Their balms have a fantastic smell as well and are great to use on your skin or any pain you're experiencing. And of course their jellies taste so great for any sweet tooths. They also have a commitment to sustainability, pledging to plant at least 500 trees every year along with ensuring all their packaging is recyclable. So if you want to check The Good Level out, go to their Instagram page at the.good.level where you can find out all about their products. And if you'd like a discount, feel free to use Headstrong15 at checkout on their website. Did you feel any kind of weight or pressure externally on you when you were filming that? Because obviously at the age of 10, you talked about your naivety going into what you did know about the subject, which is a good thing to retain that innocence. But were you aware of the kind of production and budget and, and things with that kind of side of the pressure?
1: Um... I don't know. I mean, I don't really, I, this is a really, this is such a long time ago. I don't really know what I was thinking when I was 10 years old, still in that set. But I think I was, I've, I was, at least, I've got to be, I've got to be at least somewhat aware because it's such a, any film set is such an enormous production. There's so many people working for this end goal and so many departments and, um, so many people relying on everyone else to do their job. Um, and I think I definitely felt that at one point. I, I don't remember this, but my dad's, there was, a, there was a point, my dad told me this, there was a, a point in the film where I was, uh, I was feeling ill, I, I had like a cough or something like that. Um, and they asked if I wanted to sort of go home and sort of like take the day off or whatever. Um, and I, I said, no, I, I, just kept, I wanted to keep working. I'm assuming because I felt somewhat responsible for sort of sort of do my job um so i think i must have felt some level of responsibility um in that regard
2: yeah that's really interesting i mean god it's tough as well like as a kid if you were falling ill on on a production you don't want to just let people down right
1: i mean even now as well you know you never you never want to let people down I'm, i'm the same now like if i I will, I will always want to kind of like do my bit because as an actor, so many people rely on you to kind of, for their jobs to sort of, for, for, for everything to sort of move together and for you to actually sort of be able to shoot. Um, so there is absolutely some responsibility um, that I feel towards the crew and, and and everyone involved. And that's the same with every production for sure. Like every every single
2: job is unique and by that as well, I assume the audition process for you has changed over the years, I suppose. I mean, now you're probably, there are occasions where you're offered the role straight up. Am I right?
1: Yeah, there are. And that's always always very nice. Um, I don't, yeah, it's totally changed. I mean, when when you're younger, I think like audition process in general has changed. Well, particularly Um, after this year as well after this year everything's just self-tapes or zooms or 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 whatever and it was kind of going in that direction anyway um gone are the days of kind of workshops with big groups of actors and and, um Hmm. day by day less and less people turning up because they whittle it down which is sort of (laughs) which i've done and it's a horrible feeling (laughs) seeing people drop off um uh, yeah what is my audition process i mean i don't I feel like I'm at the stage in my career where I, I only really audition for things that I really want to do, um, which is nice because then I can be a bit more selective and it means when I do do an audition, I can put more time into it because I, I've I kind of always thought there's no point in doing an audition if you're not actually going to sort of try, really try and get it. Otherwise it's a waste of an afternoon or a mm. waste of a day, um, so, yeah, I mean, I it depends. I mean, in terms of my process, it depends on on, on the project and uh, how much information I've got. If I've got a script, uh, you read the script. If I've just got scenes, then you kind of have to build your own idea of this character just from what you've got on the page and what you've got on these scenes. Uh, I'll often work with my acting coach, Amanda Amanda Brennan, who I've been working with since I was since before I did Hugo. Um, and she's brilliant. I think having someone else look at a scene and just having another perspective and an- another eye on a line or, or whatever the scene is or the context is um, is really helpful. Because I often find I can get stuck in a particular way of doing something. And so it's nice to have someone else to kind of take you out of that and suggest other ideas. Um, and then, yeah. Do you know what? I completely sure. agree though. It's...
2: So important to have a second eye, if not a third eye, etc. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm exactly the same when you just get stuck in something and you think you're doing it well or what you think could look the best. And you know, I, I have Charlotte who helps me, and obviously she's no acting coach, but she'll tell me if it's shit or not. Not like shit, but like, yeah. you no, know, try this, try this way, and then I'll watch it mm-hmm. back myself and I'll be like, well, why couldn't I think of that? But actually, you just need that extra person and a bit more insight.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No,
2: it's really important. Uh, do you do you get off script first and then like build your character, or do you do it like build your character whilst learning? It? <clears throat>
1: um, I generally find the character first, um, and I'm quite lucky. I, I can learn. I learn lines super quickly, um, so I, it's never unless it's like a really long scene or like a monologue mm. where I then have to sort of think, okay, I've got to actually spend time learning this. Um, but I often find just in reading the scene and finding the character, once I've done that enough, then I've kind of already learned the lines and I don't necessarily have to dedicate time to that in particular, um, which is nice. And, and I'm really lucky because I know some actors, actors really struggle learning lines. Um, so that's fortunate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is quite fortunate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what was, the other, what was the other part to your question? I feel <laughs>
2: no, I, I, I don't know, but no, that's really that's really interesting because, yeah, as you say, lots of actors do struggle with line learning. But I imagine because you've d- done it for so long now, you probably have a technique, or just like the, you don't even realize it's probably a technique, but it's the way that you do it now that is your process that it just mm. works. Whereas some yeah. people will probably be the opposite way around and they'll sit down and they'll go, right, let's learn the lines and then try it this way, try it this way, try it this way. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, I do.
2: Yeah, it's different now. I mean, I'm talking to you. I I think you recently wrapped Sex Ed Three. Am I right? Series Three.
1: Yes. Excited stuff. Yeah. uh, uh, A month or two ago now, a couple months ago, we finished. Oh, nice! Which is very exciting. Yeah. So to jump back, I'm allowed to say, but.
2: don't tell me anything. I'm not going to I'm not going to let you spill the beans on anything, but I want to jump back to before series 1 even started because I was speaking to Alistair, who you're obviously well acquainted with, who plays the headmaster, and he was telling me about like his audition or casting process and like just casting in general for the show. And he seems to think that I think Connor was one of the first to be cast. Um I'm curious to know what did you audition for that or was that an offer?
1: This was, um, so I I got sent the script for Sex Ed, we started shooting. And I remember it was, uh, I met with, it was an offer to meet the director and one of the producers um, after I'd read, I think maybe the first or maybe the first two episodes that had been sent. Um, And I went and met with them, met with Ben, met with Sean. At stuff lunch, just chat about the show, and they sort of spilled a lot of their ideas, and and, and they had this other kind of look book which they showed me, which because it's such a visual show, and they had a real, they had a really strong idea for what this, they wanted this show to look like and what yeah. the kind of uh, I think the other references that you associate with it, the colours and the and the setting, um, and the kind of humour, and they they really just kind of. I think whenever you read a script it's always so helpful to chat to the creators behind it because there's so much more that isn't on the page which is so hard to grasp and so hard to kind of anticipate until you hear what their plan is um and so to hear it from there and i was like okay this show really could be something cool um and after that they offered me the role uh for otis which it was at a point in my career it kind of came at the perfect time I was thinking it would be really nice to have something um, sort of consistent job that I can come back to for a few years. Um, TV shows were becoming sort of more and more uh, not mainstream, but just the the, the budgets behind them and the, and the quality of them and the writing of them were getting better and better. Um, and so I thought well, this this is like, so I was filming in the UK, which is always nice, um, and yeah. it, it was a it was a fun project. I could tell just from the script we're going to have a laugh making this. And that's potentially the most important thing. Um,
2: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got to enjoy the job, right. And actually it's such a, actually similar to slaughterhouse in the sense that it's a, a real community and kind of um, ensemble of young guys who are just coming together, just actually there to have fun as well as create some good material.
1: Mm. It's
2: really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with the show as well, I mean, when you were shooting it the first time, were you aware of the potential growth, not growth as well, exposure that it was going to have? Because I remember you doing some promo before it came out, and then you, all you guys were actually in Waterloo, and I remember on the billboards, and everyone was like, whoa, hmm. freaking hell, billboards in, in Waterloo. And I remember, like, there, was, there wasn't that big a push behind it, and then suddenly it just went boom.
1: Yeah it was, I don't think any of us really anticipated it. Um, I mean, Netflix as a platform is obviously enormous and it's global. And that itself is like quite astounding, but I think the show, um, just hit this kind of zeitgeist of what people really wanted and what people were kind of, uh, the kind of honest, funny representation of teenage life, uh, that really struck all of these really nice, uh, slightly nostalgic tones, Um and it, yeah, it, it was amazing. The response was better than we could ever have hoped. Um, and then, because of that, as you said, like the the, the exposure from the show on Netflix is uh, unparalleled. And I'd had experience of it growing up as I've been working in various films, but for a lot of these actors, this was their first job, and to get catapulted into sort of Netflix stardom is I can imagine for them was must have been like mind bending <laughs> like it's
2: it's crazy I mean it is crazy to think that it was some of their first gigs to go like absolutely global like I, as you say you had like you were probably one of the few really actually that had experience of that kind of exposure were any of them kind of looking to you or even spoke to you about about that kind of thing because when it happened i imagine like it's quite a daunting thing if you weren't expecting it particularly Mm. you know i'm thinking of like some of the bigger stars who um yeah where where it was their first job did they kind of speak to you about it
1: um we uh, we chat about i mean this i guess you're right i was the i was definitely the most experienced of the kind of younger actors on set Mm. um and I do remember at points when we were filming sort of, because it is, if you, when you step onto your first film set, as you well know, and there's so many people and so many things going on and all of these kind of terms being thrown around and it moves so fast, it's very easy to just kind of uh, like get a bit lost or a bit kind of confused. And so I think I just try to reassure them, just like you guys are doing great, just focus on what you're doing. Don't Get caught up in all this other craziness that's going on around you because everyone has like their own job, Um, and so I think I I think I helped some at some points for them. Uh, At least I hope I did. Mate, you're so dumbing yourself down. I have no doubt that
2: you were incredibly kind of useful and like someone to look for. It's reassuring as well to just see someone on a on a set who just knows what they're doing. And you know, ultimately, you don't want a big. I don't know, personality that saying doing this, getting their elbows out, saying, I want it done this way, this way, this way. You're a very like collaborative person, mm-hmm. in the sense that you'll work off other people's idea, other people's ideas. You're also self-aware of the fact that you're a cog in the big machine. And it's not like it's not just about the actors, you know what I mean? And I think you're very from my experience of working with you as well, like you're very well aware of the bigger picture.
1: Yeah. I try, yeah, I try and stay as like chilled out as possible on set.
2: We're not obviously here to only talk about work, though, because Ace of Butterfield has a lot of hobbies, a lot of lot of things to do, a lot of vibes going on. You mate, you love you love your music. In fact, do you remember on Slaughterhouse Rules the jamming day when everyone brought in like instruments and stuff?
1: (laughs) I do remember that. That was wicked. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do do love a bit of music. I love a boogie. Uh, I've always played music growing up. Ever since I was a kid and still do now. Like me and my brother, we live together, but we've got a little sort of corner of the flat where we've got all our instruments and I've got a keyboard, got a little drum kit, um, a couple of guitars. So it's, it's, it's a really nice thing to, especially over lockdown, just get a bit lost in um, and get better at, which is it's fun. It's, yeah. Do you enjoy music to like help
2: switch off from like. Just like the outside world and like the the just i guess your 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 job as well do you, you kind of use music as a like a form
1: of detachment yeah, I don't know whether I do it as an escape or more just kind of i don't really know what it is about music that i enjoy i enjoy well, it's, it's the immersive music. part as well that you like I think. it's the immersive part of it. I enjoy noticing myself get better. I enjoy sort of playing a song and then coming back to it a few months later and being able to play it better. Um, I love playing along to music. I love dancing. I love kind of yeah. It's it's and 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 it's a fun thing to do with people. It's it's a it's a nice sort of communal um, thing you can do, and you can create something with people that makes that that sort of makes you feel a certain way. It's, yeah. it's 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 sick. Yeah, music brings people together. Like it's one of the few things.
2: In fact, I remember seeing a quote, like not even a quote, someone talking about music. And it's like you can play a song with people who are don't speak the same language or, or from a different tribe, and it's the one thing that you can actually communicate through and dance. Like music and dance, you can just communicate through them without words mm. at all, and it's great. Mm.
1: Yeah, I oh. oh, I miss dancing. It's supposed oh. to be the thing I miss the most. Really? Over lockdown, potentially. Have you ever done da- dance classes? No. Would you? Uh, and Have I? Did I when I was a kid? No, I don't think I did. I'm just on my own vibe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Would you ever take them? Would I? Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love to like, imagine what? if you could tango really well. How sick would that be? Is that the genre you'd go for? Um, If I were to learn dance, potentially, like I'm not going to learn to like, I do like like street dance and body pop and that would be cool. But I feel like that's, that's almost too cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite hard to pull that off. I'd rather just like let us out when no one expects it. And like, holy shit, this guy can tango. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you were trying
2: to think of a tango dancer. Yeah I d-
1: <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't
2: I don't know any. Oh my god. No, I tell you what, I I love dancing as well. It's so nice. I mean do you know what? That's so weird as well. Like thinking about dance just generally as well, thinking about how dance has changed. Cause I was just thinking the only dance really that is widely available is going to a club. Like back in the twenties, you'd go ballroom dancing with your partner. That's what you would do. <laughs> mm. So yeah. different. Have you ever been to
1: a Northern Soul night? I'm, this Northern may Soul surprise dancing. you, Asa, I have not. It's, um, I've only been to one, and it's sort of a bit... It's not quite ballroom dancing, but it was, it was essentially this huge ballroom, and the floors are kind of bouncy because the, the dance is very much, like, really upbeat. And I can't even remember what the songs sound like. If you search up, like, a Northern Soul playlist, you're, you're, you'll get it, um, but you just made me, you reminded me of that with your with your ballroom anecdote.
2: My ballroom tangent, good lord. Um, with the lockdown as well. But so you you were living with your brother during lockdown. Did you did you enjoy that? Like as in, obviously you enjoyed your time yeah, with yeah. your brother, but as in, did you enjoy the the time to reflect and stop because nothing could go on for a period of time. Did you enjoy that time where? You literally, as you said at the beginning, mm. you didn't have to check your emails. You didn't have to do X, Y, and Z. You could literally just play music, chuck on the TV, game, whatever you
1: wanted to do. I uh, part of me did enjoy it. I think I enjoyed the, the complete kind of stoppage of everything um, and the kind of reset. It was weird, but. We got used to it, I feel like, surprisingly quickly. Um, And I did have, I was lucky enough to have such a great setup here, living with my brother, and we're really close, and we get on really well. Mm. Um, And as you said, we have music, we had games. Um, I had a balcony, which is, like, the nicest. I became so appreciative of just having a balcony and, like, going to the park and just the, the simple things, like... Which you totally take for granted, and I probably now again have already start taking started taking for granted. Yeah, but just in those that sort of eight months, those little things were just like what made what made each day go by, um, and it was all right.
2: Was the, did you feel like you struggled at all?
1: Like, as in, like mentally? Because I know I know that
2: I was slightly like. I mean, even now, so because like it's still not even back to normality, and mm-hmm. obviously, I know that there's a far bigger picture than anything else that's going on, whatever. And I and I sympathise deeply with you know everything and everyone that's had to go through any form of loss or experience close to it. But I know for a fact from a personal experience, being locked up is very very difficult. And I was getting frustrated that I literally couldn't do things, and it's like, like mm-hmm. simple things like. Well, I don't know, literally anything. Um, seeing people, that's mm-hmm. why I, th- I thrive off interaction and I love seeing people, and that's very mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah.
1: No, I, def- I, def- I def- definitely felt that. I think the-, the sort of first two months, the first couple of weeks were like, whoa, this is weird. And then there was a, sort of a month or two where. I kind of felt like, wow, this is great. Like I can just like do whatever I want. And like the spring was here. And then I remember in summer and sort of in August where it's still like there points where like, you, you, you couldn't see people. Um, and I was starting to kind of get like cabin fever of just being in my flat for so long. Mm. But thankfully when that, when that really started to kind of, where I started to feel that, that was when I went off and started shooting sex ed. So then I did have this kind of this other world I could just like immerse myself in um, and, 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 and be more social than I'd been all year. Cause the film set, you're with a hundred people kind of all just working together. And I'd forgotten what that felt like. I remember being on set for the first time. Everyone was like, Whoa, like I was <laughs> feeling a little bit uncomfortable because there was so many people around. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was mad. And I was, I was so appreciative of just being able to have conversations and laugh with people and be in such a social environment um, and, and be out, outside largely. And it, it was kind of the, the end of summer, so we still had them. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, it does make it really the world... That, yeah, it's, you do become so appreciative of such small...
2: what you, we take for granted and insignificant things in what is normal life But then when luxuries are taken away from you, you realize how important it is to even have a backyard or a balcony, like you say, and just have that, even just that access, which is so nice. And then you being able to see people, literally that many people, I wouldn't have known what to do. I think I've forgotten how to socialize to a certain extent. Like, seeing people now, like, do I, because sh- what do we do now? Because it's still, like, do I shake hands with people? Do I elbow you? What if someone comes in to shake my hand and I'm going in for an elbow? I look like a I know. rock
1: stanner. I know. It's, it's. yeah, it's funny. And I feel like that, it could be that way for a while. I feel like masks are going to be pretty normal for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the elbow with the fist bumps, They're like a classic. Yeah. Um, but the old elbow tap it's a weird one. Yeah. But suddenly, <laughs> that's like, that's the thing that people do. How many COVID tests do you think you've had in your life now? I think I'm, I'm nearing, I've got to be like at least past 80. I think I'm going on 100 since my first one, just before I started sex ed. And not a single one has been positive. Ooh, How about that? Hey. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I, I've already had one this morning as well. So that, was, that must be like 82 or something. Oh, wow. <sighs> Well, we'll have a party when you get to 100. Yeah, Exactly covid party yeah exactly okay
2: maybe gonna, not why not um you're gonna absolutely kill me for bringing this up i absolutely have to because i've never talked to you about oh, it and no. i want to i want to talk about your hairstyles
1: oh boy <laughs> oh, i'm so glad you lot can't see my hair i'm desperate for a haircut i'm going Wait, in next week do you know what you are close to david beckham on
2: the amount of hairstyles you've had
1: <laughs> I am i i guess no, so suppose i'm joking I've, I feel like I have my my standard cut, which I've had for maybe 80%, 85% of the last 10 years of my life. And then I go super radical. Like when I've suddenly like, it's just a flick switch, something snaps. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I shave it all off or I give myself the mohawk. Uh, the or, mohawk I, or, I ble- or I bleach it. Blue. See, I like the bleach, the, when you went bleached. I, yeah. I've, I, yeah. You yeah you that's right you did see me with my bleached hair
2: yeah I'm I'm all I'm all for that and I remember when I I did that once uh, I was fifteen and it was the first holiday I think that I'd ever been on without my parents so naturally I had to do I had to do something that was radical something you wouldn't you wouldn't have, have
1: got you wouldn't have got away with otherwise
2: yeah exactly yeah. and I remember getting on the train with my dad to meet my dad on the way home and. He wasn't even looking for me. He just saw this white beacon at the other end of the train and it was just me bobbing <laughs> along. All right, Dad! <laughs> oh, my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, as we... Oh, no, I haven't even talked to you about any of your gaming stuff. Have you, are you still doing any competitions?
1: I haven't entered any competition in ages. Um, but I mean, you can't, you can't really. I mean, I mean, there are online ones, but I have, I have not. Yeah, it's... My competition entering has taken a backseat. Uh my gaming hasn't necessarily taken a back seat. I mean, games, I think I read last year games for the first time ever, I think, um made more money than like film and TV last year or something wow. something crazy. Um and it was a real summer of of of, game, of games. Um and it's still it's still a big part of my life. As I said, I was in Utrecht the other week working with Team Liquid who are this gaming organization I partnered with and we were shooting some content and um, they're going to be taking me out to some events in the future. Because esports, which is, I don't know how much about esports, you know, it's this sort of kind of competitive side of gaming and the kind of the professional side of gaming is something I've also been interested in since I was a kid and so a teenager. Um, and the kind of, it's fascinating. Like the things, these guys, the amount of work these guys put in to be like the, the, the top zero point whatever percent of people play this game that you can make money uh, playing it and i it's know crazy. It's,
2: it's crazy money as well isn't it it's unbelievable i remember like sky sports showing some of yeah. the the formula one but like the online one what was that is that East, is that that's e-sports isn't it
1: that's yeah no i'm not i'm not into the the racing sim uh so <laughs> although saying that i do have flight controls like a joystick and a throttle for like <laughs> if i'm flying a spaceship on my computer they're actually in my room somewhere if oh, i, I love had that. the camera around you'd you'd, you'd seem like my my nerd cavern that i'm in that i'm actually in right now um yeah mate it's a cool world it's a really cool world and it's just getting bigger and bigger it's it, it's insane the growth it's a world
2: that I do not know but one I wish that I knew more of because, as you say, it's just forever expanding. It's unbelievable. Mm. Okay, yeah. as we wind down, though, I've want I want to. I've got two questions that are a bit more serious than what we've been touching on. The first one being, and I feel like this is important because I know that you do some acting coaching and stuff and people people probably come to you for advice, so I'm intrigued to hear what you say what piece of advice would you give young actors listening to this who are getting into the acting industry and, and indeed particularly now with this kind of new outlook and approach?
1: Hmm. Oh, what would I say? I mean, I think this, I think this bit of advice sort of, goes beyond just acting but i think it's important in our work um and i think it's particularly important over the last kind of year and, and, and where people's mental health have, uh, has, have, has have struggled um and that's and that's just to not to not put too much pressure on yourself and to not expect the world from yourself um i i think there's You can get so much from just reflecting on what you've done and and rewarding yourself from whatever effort you've put in and um, and yeah, just kind of not. It's acting with acting. I think there's a lot of people think it's like be all end all, and there are so many people who kind of dedicate their lives and every moment to to getting this next job. And I feel like you lose the joy in acting that when you when when you do that um, because it's such a journey. And there are so many other things you want to experience in your life which make you a better actor. I think acting. so much of acting is drawing on experience. And if your only experience is working to get this next job or whatever it is, then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, And I've gone on a bit of a tangent here, but basically be proud of whatever you're doing. Um, Don't don't be too hard on yourself. Um, And yeah. Would you say then, just on, the, on a similar
2: note, no, because what you've said is quite, like, resonates quite a lot actually with me, would you say that you've learned to put less pressure on yourself now? Did you used to put on more pressure on yourself, or have you always actually had quite a good at- attitude and outlook on it
1: then? I know, weirdly enough, I think I almost put more pressure on myself. <laughs> after, after everything I've said, I feel like I weirdly put more pressure on myself now. I think that's possibly more than when i was a kid i think when i was like when i was a kid i was quite good at not putting too much pressure on myself i don't think i took anything too seriously which is i think is important when you're young um to be able to kind of make mistakes and learn from them and enjoy being a kind of kid um because when you get older you probably can't make those mistakes anymore um and i feel like as i as i've got older as an actor and as i've got more experience i feel like I possibly, do expect more of myself, um, and, and yeah, I don't know. There's, there's 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 something to gain in kind of pushing yourself. I think um, definitely. Um, it's just finding that right
2: balance, right? Because if you put too much in yourself, you're going to burn out. You're going to literally, the fire will go out. Your love for yeah. something will go out. But if you still retain that enjoyment. In anything that you do, but still want to succeed in it, then that's a good balance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not right. I'm not right. No, just my, that's, what, that's what I think. Um, my final question, which I ask to everybody that comes on the podcast, is what does the word headstrong mean to
1: you? What does the word headstrong mean to me? um I think being headstrong. Is knowing yourself, knowing, um, being confident in what you're doing, um, and and sort of lo- like loving yourself potentially, like uh, not I'm not saying sort of putting yourself first, but in a way taking care. Having having taken care of your head and, and therefore the rest of your body. Um, I don't know. I think some people possibly have negative connotations with the word headstrong, like you can be sort of stubborn. Um, but I think there's definitely merit in confidence in what you're doing and belief in yourself and belief in your beliefs, as long as you're not kind of you haven't got your blinders on and you're not open to conversation. Um, I think being strong-willed is a good thing.
2: Nice, I agree with you. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's interesting because when people come on the podcast, they see the other side of the definition of headstrong. Because I think when you first hear the word headstrong, you immediately do think ah, stubborn and ready, like they've got their goal and they know that they're going to get to that no matter what. But mm-hmm. I think there's a more tender side to its definition, mm-hmm. or in this context, anyway.
1: Yeah, so no, I, I appreciate
2: what you said. Thank you very much. Good, sir. Thank you for joining me. Louis, it's been
1: a pleasure. Genuinely. I'm glad we did this.
2: What a little oh. ramble
1: we've had. I know. How we, we did the whole tour. The whole tour. <laughs> Oh, man. Thanks so much. Mate. No, that uh, was lovely.
2: It's great to have teamed up with The Good Level, a British CBD company who share a similar ethos to that of Headstrong. The Good Level co-founders, Joe and Johnny, believe in CBD as it's helped them and their families with their physical and mental well-being. Whether that's using their balms to recover from physical exercise, or using their oils to manage stress and anxiety, or to get a better night's sleep. The Good Level has well-being at the very centre of their brand. As we partnered up with them for this season, you can get a 15% discount off all their orders using Headstrong15 at checkout. And if you're not sure about CBD yet, no worries. Joe and Johnny are always happy to chat and answer all your questions. You can contact them via their website or check out their Instagram at the.good.level and that's Headstrong15 at checkout. And that concludes this episode of Headstrong with Asa Butterfield. I just want to extend my deepest gratitude to Asa. It was really kind of him to come on and I think he was very open and very honest and the podcast is very insightful. I hope that you enjoyed it yourself and you found it entertaining as well. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a rating and a review. That really, really helps and be sure to share it with your family and friends. All that's left for me to say is thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. And if this is your first time, be sure to go listen to a number of other episodes, including Simon Pegg, Ramesh Ranganathan, Denise Richards, Jane Seymour. There are a number of guests that I'm sure that you'll enjoy. Thank you very much for listening.